Welcome to the Jack Mountain Bushcraft Podcast, episode 24. Welcome to the Jack Mountain Bushcraft Podcast with your host, Jack Mountain Bushcraft School founder and master main guide, Tim Smith. I'm your host, Tim Smith. I'm a registered master main guide, and in 1999, I founded the Jack Mountain Bushcraft School. We help people become more skilled, more knowledgeable, more experienced, and more confident outdoors by using traditional skills, a few simple tools, and field-based experience. Whether you're looking to go from city slicker to competent outdoor professional, want to experience a remote expedition, or just want to learn a few new outdoor skills, we've got you covered. You can check out the show notes to this and all of our podcasts at blog.jackmtn.com. When you're there, click on the podcast button. And if you enjoy the show, please leave us a review on iTunes. Lastly, the best way to keep up with our programs and trips is to join our email newsletter. And you can do that at jmbnews.com. Welcome back to another episode of the Jack Mountain Bushcraft Podcast. This is episode 24. And today we will be talking about the teaching process that we use here at the Jack Mountain Bushcraft School. Um, welcome this morning to Ben Spencer and Christopher Russell. How you doing, guys? Good. Good. All is well. <laughs> that sounded, uh, yeah. <laughs> all is well. Official. It's all official. So we are uh, just wrapping up week one of the fall 2017 Wilderness Bushcraft Semester course. And that's our nine-week uh, course. We run it in the spring and fall, our flagship program. And this is long-term program number 41 for us here at the Jack Mountain Bushcraft School. And uh, we're going to run a couple of short programs, but this one will wrap up year 19 of us as a full-time uh, outfitter, school, and and guide education program. So uh, definitely not our... Definitely not our first rodeo, but... Uh, rodeo. Uh, yes, we did decide yesterday that we were going to use rodeo instead of rodeo because it sounded way more suave and cool. And that's us, to a T. <laughs> <laughs> um, so what we're going to do this morning is just talk uh, briefly the weekly recap of kind of what went on during week one on the semester. And then we're going to delve kind of into our teaching process. So... If you're out there in podcast land and you're a wilderness skills instructor or something along those lines, maybe you'll find that interesting. So, so weekly recap, guys. What did we accomplish this week? What do we try to do um, when we've got uh, new people on campus? Yeah, so everybody arrived on Saturday um, and we... Or, or Sunday. Or Sunday. We arrived on Saturday. We arrived on Saturday. Right. Which they is arrived. everybody. It's all a blur at this point. I have no idea. <laughs> it's been um, a crazy week. Yeah, people came in on Sunday, um, and we got started on Monday, and it's pretty much hit the ground running. Like, we've got to get people um, comfortable here. We've got to get them settled in up at where they'll be living. We've got to get them cooking for themselves, starting fire for themselves, using tools safely. Um, all the basic stuff of life we've got to jump right into. I like to think of it as we need to educate them on what's going to go into the human body, i.e. food, 
what's going to come out of the human body and how we deal with that, i.e. think outhouse and composting toilet system, and then what we don't want to come out of the body, i.e. blood and guts, and that's a lot of like tool safety, knife safety, axe safety. Um, so those are kind of the some of the big picture things that I like to hit right off the bat. Absolutely. But the goal of, the goal of week one is to get everybody self-sufficient. Um, you know, we, we talk a lot about Maslow's hierarchy of needs here on our programs, and uh, I won't go into what that is, but if you know, we take care of the bottom level of the pyramid mm. of Maslow's hierarchy of needs. So basic human physiological things. Yeah, and I'd say they've taken to it. I mean, as we're recording this, they're outside cooking themselves breakfast over an open fire, and day one, people were having trouble striking matches, so say it worked yeah yeah so what um other things we do week one we like to make sure that uh we set everybody up for success so the things that we'll be doing a lot of we like to introduce day one right so day one we introduce axe use uh using that safely and powerfully we introduce making and cooking over open fires um you know in a perfect world we could do every single thing day one and then have nine weeks to practice everything but it, it never works out that way obviously there are certain time constraints that you can't get around but that would sort of be ideal um other week one things uh every we do a lot with uh cordage rope and knots so everybody made their own rope this week and we got out in the boats um mm. so we do a basic introduction to canoes and canoeing we started people polling we do canoe over canoe rescue and and get into throw bags and things so how to how to save people if there's a mishap um you know we like to start with that and then get into the nuances of paddling and polling and, and whatnot mm -hmm. so what am i missing what else did we do this week um that's pretty much what we went over like like you said week one is just getting everybody settled into camp and comfortable with this life so in the fall plants are a big thing especially for the first few weeks we've got to jump right into that um, because cold weather's coming and pretty soon we're going to lose a lot of the fruiting plants that we've got um, a lot of things are going to wither and start to go away so it's a mad scramble every day we're out there i'd say we've spent at least an hour um, every day this week pressing plants and uh and working on plant identification so we do uh, there are two stages to to our plant studies number one is field id and we do that as a group and we do it opportunistically whereas we're wandering around and we see something in flower or something that's uh good to identify because we're going to use it a lot and what comes to mind are like fruits and wild foods that we can eat we tend to press them but we only study do the background study on on one plant a day and we call this the drum roll please plant of the day not super uh not super creative but with the idea being that um uh if we do structured focused study on one plant at a time that's research if we flip through field guides um you know where you're just sort of oh i i know that and maybe you read a sentence uh for something that you're pressing that's not structured focused research there's no depth to that so what we want people to walk away with is an in-depth knowledge of of certain plants uh that are wild on the landscape and the way that they get that is by studying one at a time um so this they'll we have a series of questions that we ask them about 
about the plant of the day and they go through and, and study different, uh, different resources in the library. But um, the worst way to run a plant class is to walk around and say, identify species, give it like a two minute spiel. Oh, this is plant X and you can use it for X, Y, and Z. Uh, so I think that's really crappy. So what we try to do is get as many senses involved in the plant study process as possible. So we like people to, to touch it, feel the texture, to smell it, to taste it, all those things, you know, so it's not just visual. Um, mm -hmm. And I think that people get much better long-term uh, memory recall when they involve, the more sense, senses they involve, the more sensory inputs they can associate to that little spot in the brain. Sure. We also always talk about how people remember the plants that they incorporate into your life. You know, you can try to memorize facts out of a book and you can, you know, like even press plants and all the different parts of it. But, you know, a year later, you're going to remember the plants that you put into your body, the plants that you used for, for medicinal uses, like those kind of things, the plants you actually worked with, you know, that's what you, you remember, I think. And so that's what we really push here is we're not just trying to teach bulk you know we don't just want people to be able to identify a hundred plants i would rather have people walk away from here knowing how to use and incorporate five plants into their life um than just knowing a couple facts about a hundred both things are valuable but, but, but one is to choose one is deep knowledge yeah. and one isn't and yeah. trivia yeah deep knowledge versus trivia i like yeah. that that's yeah. pretty good so yeah that was our kind of weekly week one recap um now I want to switch gears a little bit and just talk about the process that we go through here and how we approach uh, teaching um, and guiding. I always like to think of our job here, like the, the Jack Mountain instructor, right? There are four main jobs. Uh, instructor, guide, mentor, and coach. So as an instructor, you're teaching people new things. You know, you're transmitting new knowledge and trying to figure out ways for them to incorporate that. As a mentor, you're modeling good behavior. Um, and you're also, because it's a residential course, we're here for a while. You're a shoulder, you're, you're a shoulder, or I guess not a shoulder to cry on, but maybe you're an open ear to listen when people need to talk about stuff. People have things going on at home, mm -hmm. you know, interpersonal things, family things, and and we need to be cognizant of that. Uh, guide is that teaching people or taking people on wilderness trips and journeys and, and showing them best practices that we've learned over the years. And lastly, coach. And as a coach, what we're doing is maybe people will learn to the basics of, say, canoe polling week one. So as a coach, what we're not doing is constantly teaching them new things, but helping them become the best that they can be at those things. So, you know, once you learn how to spin a bow drill and get a few coals, that's one thing uh, that you learn from an instructor. But then maybe a coach will help to keep you motivated, will give you tiny little tips and things that can make it much easier. But yeah, I think of this job as as teacher, guide, mentor, coach. Yeah, and we were talking about earlier um, this morning just how even if you've mastered a certain body of knowledge, that doesn't really correlate to your ability to transfer that knowledge to a person mm. in an effective way. Um, there are two different things. Um, 
you know, in my, my personal experience, um, I spent a year working um, in Western Maine at a sporting camp out there. And uh, over that time, I had the awesome opportunity to meet a ton of um, individuals who were just really experienced in the outdoors, trappers and hunters and, and people like that. Um, and, you know, so I would spend time with these people and kind of pursue relationships with these people. Um, and a lot of them just weren't great teachers. They really knew their stuff, but they didn't know how to pass that knowledge on to me. And so it's really it's a separate thing just because you're good at something. Um, it's almost this whole other journey once you've um, mastered a body, body of knowledge. If you want to teach it to somebody, that's a whole new journey that I think takes just as much work as, as mastering the material in the first place. Yeah, teaching is a skill that definitely needs to be learned. I like to use a story from my childhood. When I was a little kid, I remember seeing hockey great uh, Guy Lafleur, who was mm. one of the all-time greats from the Montreal Canadiens. And I remember seeing uh, an instructional film and I think he led the NHL in goal scoring that year. And they'd say, somebody said, Guy, how do you score goals? And he said, puck on stick, shoot, score. <laughs> <laughs> so obviously if you're, you know, if you were looking for uh, deep insights from Guy on how to increase your own goal scoring, mm -hmm. it, that wasn't super helpful. Yeah. Um, something that we do here, we spend a lot of time on the teaching process. And uh, obviously I... Um, heavily invested time in that when I finished my undergraduate degree I went back and got a master's degree in education and I like to say that now we've had our little educational lab where we perform tests for just about 19 years that's what mm -hmm. <laughs> the Jack Mountain Bushcraft School is but there are a few a few you know resources along the way if you're out there in podcast land that uh, I've found super helpful one of which um, is just experiential education in general where we try to avoid here, we try to avoid uh, too much abstraction. We like to try to put things in concrete terms um, where people can, you know, really literally and figuratively wrap their hands around a problem and try to solve the problem that way. Uh, so yeah, anything you're, anything you can find on experiential ed is a good resource. Um, we also love the Scandinavian concept of free lift sleeve. Mm. And there's a couple of great books there. Uh, Simple Life comes to mind as a great one. Roger and Sarah Isberg. Yep, who mm. I had the pleasure of meeting and had lunch at their house in Jackson, mm. New Hampshire a few years back. Great, great people. Also, if you are running higher level courses, there's a fantastic little book called What the Best College Teachers Do. I think it's the uh, author's name is Bain, I think, but Can't if you recall. if you Google that, you'll you'll find it. And that was really good. Th there's a huge trend these days away from lecture, mm -hmm. and which we wholeheartedly endorse. Uh, standing in front of people, talking at them, does not make seasoned, well uh, well versed students. Right? It's just they call that the transmission model of education, where you stand there and supposedly transmit your knowledge to them through the spoken word. And I just, I don't put a lot of faith in that. Mm -hmm. uh, I like to think of the role of a teacher is someone who will design a situation where learning can take place. Mm -hmm. And that could be, you know, direct instruction, telling somebody something. It could be showing them something. It could be taking them on a plant walk where we know what's in flower and what they're going to be able to eat along that route, you know? So there's lots of ways to design a situation where learning can take place. But I, I really 
uh, it must be 15 years or so, I don't know, 10 years since I read that book, mm -hmm. but it still resonates with me greatly. Yeah. I think one of the other um, interesting challenges that um, comes along with teaching, especially like anyone who, who teaches this type of stuff will know that you can't give this knowledge to people via a PowerPoint or a lecture like we were just talking about. Um, the interesting problem is that a lot of people who will come to your classes will think that they can get that knowledge mm -hmm. via a PowerPoint or a lecture. Um, when they realize that they can't and there's a lot of work involved, your job now becomes encouraging that person and like framing experiences for that person so that they will know what to expect. Um, does that resonate with you, Tim? Do you totally. think that's true? Yeah, yeah. Totally. So we, <laughs> we're sitting in the guide shack right now and every... Every morning, you know, we're up early, we're in here with a notebook and a whiteboard and a giant thermos of coffee and or we're, two. and we're, or two, uh, <laughs> and we're talking about what, what are we doing today? Right. And mm -hmm. so in addition to sort of planning out what the, what the hour to hour plan is, we also have to come up with, uh, well, we say, okay, we're going to do this. And then we always say, well, how do we sell it? So, you know, not that we're selling things but we're selling ideas how do we make it relevant and how do we motivate people to want to learn something like that it would be simple if we just said we're going to do this and you know it's like when you're a parent and your kid asks you why and you said because i said so mm -hmm. <laughs> but it doesn't really work with adults mm -hmm. and adult yeah. education so we we take a lot of time and energy to figure out how to make things relevant and how mm -hmm. to how to sell it yeah, yeah. I think a lot of, I mean, you talk about it with knots. You talk about when we're teaching a knot, we start with the problem rather than the knot itself. And I think that has a lot of overlap into the other stuff that we teach up here is that we start with a problem that we're trying to solve and then go about different ways to accomplish that. And I think that that is a good selling point for people because it's a problem they've never confronted before. And so they end up um, interested in the ways to solve that problem. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that goes back to... Um you know, like the framing, you've mm -hmm. got to frame an experience, you've got to, to create this situation where the knowledge that you're going to give them is relevant, and where they would want to pursue it. Um, you know, I was listening, we were, uh, we were felling trees with knives the other day, and um, carving some bow drill components. And I heard a couple of the students just laughing with each other and talking like this is really hard. Mm -hmm. um, just and so it's, in those moments, you know, where people are kind of hit that wall and they realize like, you know, I don't have the wrist strength for this. Like, this is a painful thing. Like you've got to, you've got to make that situation relevant and you've got to make it worth their pain mm -hmm. and their time to get to a place where they can actually do that efficiently. Um, and everybody can get there, you know, but if you've, if you've never done that task before, if you've never carved that bow drill fire, like you need, you need a little help to get there. Um, and that's the real job, you know, it's not just showing someone something. Yeah. I was having a conversation with a student just this morning, um, talking about how she's a, she's very active. Um, she's always out doing stuff, but even just in this week, like her hands are more callous, starting to get more callous and blister than they've ever yeah. been. And I think that that's a new thing for a lot of students yeah. to come up here. Yeah. We've got people from all over the country. We've got people who are coming to us from the city, from the suburbs, all different places. Um, and I mean, yeah, the first week is painful. Mm -hmm. We're using tools every single day. We're swinging an ax every single day. Um, carrying canoes, carrying canoes, you know, we're pulling, we're using different muscles. Like this is the first week is painful mm -hmm. for people. 
Um, it's and a so physical process, yeah. it's a physical process and it gets easier. It definitely gets easier. You know, those, those blisters turn into calluses and those muscles get stronger and pretty soon it's no big deal. Um, but starting off, you know, when someone is experiencing that, you know, the job is really to sell them the idea that it's worth their, their, their trouble, mm-hmm. you know, and that it's going to be a valuable thing for them to get to the end. And that's a, a, a big picture idea for us is our programs are, we work with adults, right? And, and teaching adults is different than teaching children. Mm-hmm. Um, so children, like the, the official words are teaching children is pedagogy, teaching adults is andragogy. But with children, you don't have to do the selling so much. I mean, you can just kind of tell a little story mm-hmm. uh, to get them interested and involved. But with adults, we sort of have to frame it as what's the practical outcome here and what's the benefit that you're going to receive for investing your time and energy and sometimes blood, sweat and tears into this activity. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, you know, that's a big difference. I've taught both and uh, both children and adults and adults. It's more challenging, I think, because of the framing aspect. Mm-hmm. Sure. It's also Ben and I were talking about it last night after running uh, School of the Forest programs all summer. Um, I was very much in that sort of like hyper awareness mode where if I saw a problem, I fixed it. And I think with adults, you have to be able to step back from that and let them make the mistakes because with adults, that's how they learn rather than being corrected constantly, which is sort of what it is with kids because you don't want anybody to slice their finger open or anything like that. Right. So you're in addition to managing safety and managing Mm -hmm. the learning environment, you're also managing people's egos, which Mm -hmm. are can be pretty fragile. Mm. Which is, uh, yeah, that's a big part of the job as well. Not to mention managing our own. (laughs) (laughs) What'd you say about my ego? (laughs) Yeah, very, very fragile. Yeah. No, I think that's, I think that's, uh, that's another, an interesting point, you know, thinking about, about the, uh, the role of the instructor or whatever is, uh, you know, the first thing, um, I try to earn when people come here is, is a laugh. Mm -hmm. I want people to know from the get go that I'm not taking myself too seriously after they understand that, you know, and they don't think that I think I'm the, the coolest thing ever, um, which then I can start to earn, which I am, <laughs> then I can start to earn their trust. Um, yeah. And that's, you know, that process might take weeks, you know, of me consistently answering their questions, like in the right ways, like proving to them that, you know, like I know what I'm talking about and those kind of things. Like I have to, I can't assume that these people will trust or respect me from day one. Um, when a new course starts, I have to think like, I'm going to have to earn this as an instructor. I'm going to have to every single day earn their respect um, and earn their trust. And, you know, I would say that's, that's kind of my process, at least as I understand it now. First, I earn their laugh. Second, a couple weeks in, maybe I can earn their trust. And maybe if I play my cards right, I can earn their respect by week nine. I approach it the other way from day one. I want them to know I am the coolest thing ever. So I never smile. I have a big hat and I wear aviator sunglasses that I never take off. It's true. And I'm wearing a t-shirt that clearly says in giant letters, I'm the coolest thing ever. Yeah. (laughs) That might work for some people. Yeah. I don't know if I could pull that off. No. Uh, It's a very good point though, in that, you know, you teaching especially long-term immersion programs it's not just showing people things right Mm -hmm. it's a relationship that we build and that relationship is going to be based on trust and it's going to be based on honesty i think you know the trust is based on honesty and along those lines for example when we talk about wild plants we're out studying plants 
Um, and I like to maintain a, try to a 100% honest, um, uh, thing with the students, right? So if they ask, you know, have you eaten this plant? It's a yes or a no. And sometimes when you get into the medicinal purported medicinal qualities of plants, you know, I'm hundred percent comfortable saying, I don't know. I I'm happy to say, Hey, I've read that this plant will, you know, solve, if you get decapitated and you rub this leaf on your neck, it'll put your head back on or things like that. But I'm always a hundred percent certain to say, I don't know. I've never tried that. Mm -hmm. You know, if it's edible plants, I can say yes or no, I've eaten it. And I can tell them what I thought of the flavor, but the, the nuances of the medicinals are much more subtle. So for the most part, I like to leave that to people to research on their own because I feel, you know, if, if someone's on the course and we pick up a plant and I say that this thing will, what's a, what's a, this thing will cure the flu, right? Unless I've had the flu and have cured it or seen it done, I don't know a hundred percent. So I, I am quick to point out that I can tell them what I've read in books and I can tell them what I have personally experienced, but I don't like to push off things uh, as if I have personally experienced them because I've read them in books. Mm -hmm. I try to stay way, way the hell away from that just mm -hmm. because I feel it's a, it can, it is a bit dishonest. Yeah. yeah. And there's something to me, there's something awesome about saying, I don't know, but why don't you and I go figure it out? Mm -hmm. um, Cause that brings in a whole other process of learning where you're kind of showing them how much work goes into understanding this thing that you don't know about. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that there's value in that as well. Rather than just saying, I don't know, go figure it out yourself. Mm. Not that that's a bad thing, but sometimes it's helpful to show them the process of figuring it out too. And I think it can be a challenge, you mm. know, on that quest to earn respect and trust. A lot of times it can be tempting to want to throw a, a lot of stuff out there. Be like, oh, this or that, you know, like you do. There is a, a, legit, a legitimate desire to, um, to earn those things from people. But mm. um, if you can't do it honestly, you're setting yourself up, up for trouble. Maybe you can do that for a week. If you're running a week long course, but for us, nine weeks living together nonstop, like if we don't keep it honest, there's just, there's no other way to do it for a longer term program. Um, it has to be done that way. Yeah. Agreed. The temptation to be the all knowing sage yeah. on the stage is, yeah. can be great. And, and I've seen it happen where people will assume that you know something and mm -hmm. if you don't in an honest way say, no, I don't know that I've never, I've never done that. Like if someone were to say, oh yeah, the, you know, the paddling in the Arctic is great. And then I would say, yeah, it is great, but I've never paddled in the Arctic. So, uh, it, you know, people would assume that you've done it. Uh, yeah. and it's, it's important to point out that, you know, you haven't yeah. in order to, in order to keep things honest. And I think the, the end result, the relationships that you build as a result of, of being honest, I think are just stronger, better, and ultimately lead to more respect. Mm -hmm. And I think if you do this full time, you're sooner or later going to encounter the student who has the idea that you should know everything, you know, and that's going to be their expectation is I'm paying you. And if you don't know everything, I'm mad about that. Um, and, and with that person, um, you know, I, you've, you've just got to kind of accept that their idea of what this thing should be is, is, is off and you're going to have to you know, still keep it honest, even with that person, um, you know, which, which can be hard. Um, but again, it's their expectation that is the problem, mm. not, not your level of knowledge. Nobody, nobody knows everything, you know, 
What about except the except the people who are actually living this, like TV psychics? Yeah, TV psychics do know everything. But driving up here, I saw a sign that said "TV psychics on Saturdays by appointment only." Wouldn't you know when the appointments are? (laughs) That's true. I heard a guy. uh, I think he was a comedian, and he called up a TV psychic, and he's like, "Hi, my name's Bob." But you already knew that, didn't you? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Cool. Well, I think uh, we've been talking for a while here, so Mm. I guess we've got a whole bunch of other things to do to wrap up our weekend. We had a bunch of frost cracks in our Royal X canoe, so we've got to finish a bunch of those. We've got to go get some paddle blanks for carving canoe paddles next week. Um, and a lot of random camp stuff. So like eating a pile of bacon for breakfast, (laughs) making homemade whoopie pies. We live hard up here. (laughs) So on that note, we're going to wrap up episode number 24. Thank you very much for listening and we hope to see you again sometime. Have a good one. Mm